contradicts. Amen. Amen. Going home early. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3. And the word of the Lord reads like this. You foolish Galatians. They said the apostle Paul was nice. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. We're going all the way to six. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. So instead of saying Galatians, let's put ourselves right there. Oh foolish Raymond, or oh foolish Zechariah, or oh foolish Faith, or oh foolish Channing, or oh foolish Darren. Who has bewitched you? This is the only thing I want to find out from each and every one of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing by faith? Was it by the law you received the Spirit or by believing by faith? Believing by faith. Okay, I got the right crowd. Are you so foolish then? If that's your answer, are you so foolish then? Having begun by the Spirit, getting saved by belief, by faith, and receiving the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith. Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And this evening, I just like to talk about a Christian without conviction. Amen? Or the importance of the Holy Spirit. Because I believe there's a lot of people in the church today who believe you get saved by faith. But they don't rely on the Holy Spirit to live the walk of faith. They say, yes, I need Jesus in my heart and I believe in God and I confess him with my mouth and I know that I'm saved and my spirit has become one with God's spirit. And that's where the spirit stops for those people. But I'm here to tell you today, you can't live this Christian walk in the flesh. And this is what the Apostle Paul, he had a big bone to pick with the church of Galatia. Because these people, they got saved. They heard the message of the cross. They heard the message of Jesus and they received Jesus. And we all know in here that when you get saved, your spirit becomes one with God's spirit. And that's salvation. And that happens by faith. And that happens by the spirit. Well, guess what? As you get saved... In order to walk like a Christian, to talk like a Christian, to think like a Christian, it can only be done by the Spirit and through faith. I can't turn the other cheek when Jesus wants me to. I can't think in holy ways when Jesus wants me to. I can't put money where Jesus tells me to put money in my flesh, in my own strength. It's by the Spirit of God. It's through faith. For we walk not by sight, and we don't walk according to the flesh. But we walk by the Spirit, and we walk by faith. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Shout hallelujah. 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 And I think there's a lot of 
this room tonight if we want to keep it real. Amen. Then we've been dabbling. We've been struggling. We've been becoming entangled in these sins. And we're trying to get out of this trap. We're trying to shake them off. But we're trying to shake them off in our own strength. You don't have the power to overcome sin. Only Jesus has that power. And the only way you can have access to that power is through faith in Jesus. And rely on the spirit man. Because I know it's not just me. There's a war inside of me. Is it just me? There's a war inside of me between the spirit man and the flesh man. Amen? There's a war inside of you, I believe, too. There's a war inside of you between the spirit man and the flesh man. And you can tell me all day long, you, you always going to make the right decision. you always going to do the right thing. Every decision you make is for the benefit of everyone else. That's hogwash. That's hogwash. Well, God told me. God led me. God, God is leading me. This is God's making this decision. But then you step back and evaluate it, and you're the only one benefiting from it. Is it really God? Huh? Is it really God? Because unfortunately, no matter how long you are with God, you still have a flesh. You still have a sinful nature. Amen? And it's sad, but many Christians today have discovered a way to live with a sin in their lives. You see, God provided the Holy Spirit for many things. To convict us of sin, right? To bring things to remembrance. To lead us into all truth. But also to empower us to walk this walk with God. You can't do it in your own strength. Stop trying. You can't do it in your own flesh. You can't outsmart Satan with your own wisdom. Amen? The Holy Spirit knows what's sin and what isn't sin. And the Holy Spirit will also always make you aware of your sinfulness. You see, when you when you get saved, I remember when I first got saved and I began to I began to cuss. And when I cuss, I've shared this before, when I cuss, something uneasy in me began to happen. I began to feel an uneasiness when I cussed. It was an uneasiness. When, when I began to dabble in the things I used to dabble in, because, because I didn't come to the ministry yet, I didn't have somebody guiding me to stop it. I began to feel an uneasiness. I began to feel guilt, restlessness with these decisions I was making. Well, guess what, church? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Ghost. And some of us begin to backslide and dabble in these things, and we get uneasy, and we get uneasy. And instead of uh, giving in to that uneasiness and saying, you know what, I don't need to do this, we try to tell it to shut up. Shut up, Holy Ghost. Shut up, Holy Ghost. Amen? It's like a smoke detector. And that smoke detector senses that smoke, and it starts going beep, 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 beep. Well, I know it's victory home. When the alarms go beep, 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 the homeboys get up and take the batteries out. <laughs> that's a victory life uh, smoke detector right there. But sometimes that's how the Holy Spirit is. Beep, beep, beep. Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't think like that. Don't go there. Beep, beep, beep. And some of us are taking the batteries out. 
Instead of getting rid of the fire, getting rid of the smoke and resetting it. Are you hearing me? We're trying to take the batteries out. Let it all burn down. I'm just tired of hearing the beep, 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 beep. Are you tired of the beeping? Are you tired of the beeping? You repent. Don't let your whole life burn down because you're not going to be led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's just trying to save you, brother. The Holy Spirit's just trying to lead you in an everlasting way, sister. Listen, spiritual death can be reversed through salvation. Right? Physical death can be reversed through the resurrection. Amen? But eternal death cannot be reversed. Amen? Amen. Because there is a heaven and there is a hell. Amen. Amen. And the flesh, Satan, and this world around us are all working together, playing tug of war, trying to tug our soul to hell. While God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are on the other side, and they're tugging us towards heaven. Amen. It's three against three, so which side are you helping pull? Amen. 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 Because God desires for all men to be saved. To avoid physical death, to avoid eternal death, to avoid spiritual death. And that's the Holy Spirit's same will, it's his same motive. And you know the Holy Spirit is a person, right? It's not it, it's he. The Holy Spirit is a person and the Holy Spirit does have emotions. Amen? Might not be as emotional as some of y'all, but the Holy Spirit does have emotions. Amen? And the Bible even tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, please. He's talking about unity. He's like, let there be unity. Let your words be edifying. Make sure there's unity in the church, amongst the brethren, the body of Christ. And then he gets down, I think, like verse, somewhere in verse 20-something. And he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So in conclusion, we conclude from this that what? There's stuff we can do to grieve the Holy Spirit. Right? And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be grieving to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? You see, conviction, saints, it's God's way of keeping you from getting trapped in sin. Conviction is God's way of prompting you to turn away from temptation, to turn away from sin. Amen? Some Christians cause to respond, or they stop to respond, they cease to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit so long ago, and they don't have a plan to do anything about the spiritual condition. Right? So I'm going to ask you a question tonight. What happens to Christians who disregard conviction? What happens to Christians who try to shut out the Holy Ghost? Both. Right? I'll tell you, number one, there's a loss of sensitivity in their life. Okay? When you begin to shut out the Holy Ghost, your awareness or your recognition of God is dulled to the point almost where you can't even sense God. And you're looking around, and everybody in the room is worshiping, and they're eating breakthroughs, and they're getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And you're sitting there, and you're just nullified to what's going on around you. Oh, y'all hear me now? Huh? There's a loss of sensitivity in their lives. They're no longer as sensitive to the presence of the Lord as they once were. Their ears aren't attuned to the voice of God like it once was. Right? And let me tell you something. When you try to shut out the Holy Ghost, you try to take the batteries out of that smoke detector, it opens the door to all kinds of evil in your life. Amen. 
It opens the door to all kinds of sinful desires to rush you in your life. And walk, check this out. It may take years. It may take some time in order for that self to play it out. Right? But it always will. Amen? Yeah, you may be okay right now not seeking Jesus, not experiencing the Lord. But how about five, ten years from now? As that begins to play out. Right? You see, loss of sensitivity goes hand in hand with becoming desensitized to sinfulness and even death. And even though you begin to ponder the consequences of, of what it would be if you got caught, right? But the loss of sensitivity has already taken a toll of your life. Yeah. Amen? In small, insignificant, and unnoticed, subtle allowances, oh, that's not so bad. Oh, that's okay. Stuff maybe you did consider sin at one point. Now you're like, ah, oh, that's all right. Ah, oh, that's okay. These are signs that you're becoming desensitized yeah. to the Lord. Amen? Even the fact that we delay to repent of our sin is evidence we're becoming desensitized. I'll repent later. God will forgive me. I can confess. Right? That's hogwash. This is, this is evidence right here that you're becoming desensitized to the things of the Lord. Right? But God is a merciful God. And God is a gracious God. Amen? And like I said before, God desires for all men to be saved. And so God won't always bring your sin to the light immediately. Right? He won't always bring it publicly and out in the open immediately. Right? Because he wants you to repent of it. When he came to Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, and what's the first thing they said? They said, whoa, we're, we're naked, right? They realized they were naked, they got afraid, and then they went and hid from God. When they sinned, they felt naked, they felt without, right? They tried to cover up with religion, they tried to cover up with beliefs. And God comes and looks for them, and the first thing God says is, where are you? And you're like, wait a second. Why doesn't God know where these people are? Well, he's God. He knows where they are. He was asking, what did you do? Where are you at, Adam? Where are you at, Eve? He was giving them an opportunity to confess and repent. But what did they do? They didn't hid from God. They went and hid from God. And sometimes when we fall into sin, we think the answer is hiding in it. Hiding from God, turning the other way. When God just desires for you to repent, God loves you. God loves you. I was telling the kids that are not preaching to you, and I just told them God loves them for like an hour. God loves you. I try to find out all these different ways to tell them, yeah, gracious sake, man. All these different ways to tell the kids that God loves you. God loves you because it's the love of God, man, that's going to pull you through all that mess. Like my pastor says all the time, you scare me with hell. You can't scare me with hell. I was living in hell. Hell didn't scare me. Right? But when I came in the home and I met all these guys in the home, and they would wake up at 12 a.m. when I come in the home and make me a meal, and they would come and give me their clothes, and they would come every day and check on me and pray for me, and I began to see the love of Christ, and then I began to experience God in the church services. It was the love of God that pulled me to his son Jesus. It was the love that changed my life. It was the love. And God loves you. 
And he wants to extend this love to you. But the sin separates us from us and our God. Amen? The people told Isaiah, God's too far. And Isaiah said, God's arm is not too far that it cannot reach you. Right? And his ears are not too dull that he cannot hear you. But your sin has separated you from your God. So guess what you got to do? You got to get ready to sin. Amen? <coughs> Something else. Not only do they begin to get desensitized when Christians try to shut out the Holy Ghost, they lose the fear of the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 19. They lose the fear of the Lord. I'm going to read the Amplified because it really amplifies it up. It's really good. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19, and the word God reads. Y'all listen? Everybody, pay attention right now. Your own wickedness will discipline you. Your own wickedness will discipline you. And your desertion of the faith, walking away from God, your desertion of the faith, that's what's going to punish you. Know, therefore, that it is an evil and bitter thing for you to reject the Lord your God. And for you to be indifferent to me. Be indifferent to me. And dismiss the reverence or the fear of the Lord. Says the Lord your God. Amen. And so what happens? These people begin to shout out the Holy Ghost. They lose the fear of the Lord. They begin to live like God's not watching 24-7. Hello. Yeah, your pastor ain't always watching. Your family's not always watching. Your wife or your husband's not always watching, but God sees everything you do. And to live with the fear of the Lord means you live in a way that pleases the Lord 24-7. Because you know every decision you make, God knows about it. Everything you do, God knows about it. Everything you say, God knows about it. As you click up over here and you put the mask on to hang with this group and talk about all these people, then you leave this group and put the mask on to hang out with this group and talk about all these people, and God's without the mask above it all, seeing all that you do. Seeing every bit of it. He sees it all. And when you begin to reject the Holy Ghost, you lose the fear of the Lord. Amen? As we grow in God, we should also grow in the fear of the Lord. If you want to see God move in our churches, we have to have a fear of the Lord. Amen. And it's not being scared of what God's going to do. It's having a respect for God and who He is. Yeah. And that's why God's going to move in our churches. That's why God's going to move in our community. That's why God's going to move in our hearts and our lives. Because we have a respect for Him. We come into this house with reverence, not treating this house any old way because it's God's house. We don't treat the people here just any old way because they're God's people. We don't ignore and don't pay attention to the word being preached live because it's God's word. And we have a respect and a fear and an awe of who God is. We come into this place with reverence. This is not a social gathering, brother. Some of y'all are here because you have to. But we're going to make sure you get some reverence. Amen. Amen. We got plenty of shovels, brother. We're going to get some fear of the Lord out of you. Amen. 
But it's a fear of the Lord we have to have. It's the reverence. I don't know about you, but I'm not okay with a one-hour church service once a week and it's the same old thing over and over. Amen. I'm not going to do it. I'm either going to be radical for Jesus or I'm going to be radical for something else. Amen? Amen. Amen. This uh, lukewarm, uh, watered-down stuff, that doesn't work for us. That doesn't work for us. We need to see God move. We need to hear prophecies. We need to see God heal people. We need to see miracles. We need to see the blind get their sight back, the lame start walking. We need to see diseases and sicknesses and demons get cast out. That's what we need to see. But the only way we're going to see it is if we come in with a reverence, with a fear, with a respect for the Lord. Amen? I remember I was sitting in the Houston church. And I had my little brother Alex. He was on his little phone. He was playing his phone. And it was in the middle of worship. And one of the ushers came by. He said, hey, man, put your phone up. And he didn't know how to respond. Right? And he explained to him. And he goes, man, listen, this is the house of the Lord. And it's worship time right now. It's not time to play on your phone. And he was trying to instill that respect, that reverence, that fear. And that's what we need. To understand this is God's house. This is God's house. You don't have to tell me to clean the bathroom up because the pastor ain't paying me nothing. I'm going to clean it up because this is my daddy's house too. This is my God's house. You don't have to tell me to apply myself with the gifts and talents that God has given me, right, before I get some recognition for it because this is God's house. And I'm God's child too. And so I'm going to take care of daddy's house. Amen? I'm going to take care of daddy's house. It's a fear of the Lord. Right? When Christians lose their convictions, they also lose the fear of the Lord. Real quick, I'm going to run through some scriptures in Proverbs. I'm going to Proverbs 8.13. And then I'm going to Proverbs 10.27. And then I'm going to run to Proverbs 14.26. Y'all ready? Bible gentlemen. Yeah, Proverbs 8.13, Proverbs 10.27, and Proverbs 14.26. I'm going to give you a bunch of meat about the fear of the Lord. Amen? Amen. And the first one says this, the word of God reads. Amen. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Somebody say, I hate evil. I hate evil. Come on, say it again. I hate evil. I hate Come on now. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. Amen. Do you hate the perverted mouth? Amen. Are you a perverted mouth? Uh-oh. Proverbs 10 27, the word says, Amen. The fear, ooh, yes. The fear of the Lord prolongs life. Amen. Read and weep. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Yep. Amen? Amen? Some of us didn't even know we could make the 40. But then we got saved. And now we can prolong our life by having a fear for the Lord. Amen. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, there is a strong confidence. And his children will have refuge. Come on, somebody. You got any kids in here? Hello. You develop a fear of the Lord, a reverence and awe for God. It says the children will have refuge. Amen. So what happened? 
happens to someone that sucks out the Holy Ghost? They become desensitized. They lose the fear of the Lord. Number three, they just become indifferent. You know what indifference means? It means I don't care if it goes right or if it goes wrong. I just don't care. You know? I don't care if the fundraising leader or promises or misses there or not. I don't care. I don't care if it goes right or if it goes wrong. I don't care if the church service goes good or bad. I don't care. It's an indifference. Isaiah chapter 32. Isaiah 32. <laughs> the word of God reads. In verse 9 through 11, it says, Rise up, you women who are carefree, for you who are indifferent. And hear my voice, you confident and unsuspecting daughters. They don't even know what's about coming their way. Because of their indifference. Listen to what I'm saying. In little more than a year, you will tremble with anxiety. You unsuspecting and complacent women. Indifferent women. For the vintage has ended and the harvest will not come. My gosh. In yeah. verse 10, in little more than a year, you will tremble anxiety, you unsuspecting and indifferent women. The vintage is ended, the harvest will not come. Tremble, you women who are carefree. Tremble with fear, you complacent ones. Shrimp, undress, and wear sackcloth on your waist. You know what the Lord's saying? You who are indifferent, you need to repent quickly. Yeah, you need to repent quickly. Right? Yeah. And when you're indifferent, it doesn't matter anymore if you're in sin to you. It doesn't matter anymore. There's no longer an urgent, urgent uh, interest or an uneasiness in you to respond quickly and repent. You treat sin as either good or bad, either right or wrong. It's just another part of life now. Hello. There's a neutral role with sin. You don't come against it, nor do you ever take a stand for holiness. Huh? But this is a reflection of... Of your relationship with God. Amen. You become indifferent. Number four. As you begin to reject the Holy Ghost. Numb out the Holy Ghost. You begin to take foolish risks. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 9. I'm sweating. It's okay. Proverbs 24 9. It says the devising of folly oh. is sin. Mm. <laughs> and the scoffer is an abomination to men. It's like you begin to play Russian roulette with your sin. You begin to ante up. Right? Do a little more. Do a little more. And do a little more. Thinking, ah, I got away with this. I can get away with that. I got away with that. I can get away with this. 
You become careless and you begin to experiment with other sins. And sin always produces death. Isn't that what the word says? And taking foolish risks doesn't mean avoiding the possibility of harm or danger. The only question or uncertainty that remains is when your collapse will occur. When your fall will happen. Amen? Because it will happen. And the last one, number five. You throw off all restraint. You get rid of all of it. Ain't nothing to hold you back. You all are out. It's like a progression, isn't it? To the point where you're just all out. You're done with God. You're all the way with sin. Amen? You begin to toy with sins you never imagined you touched. You ever been there? You, you walk away from God, and compromise starts little by little by little. Before you know it, you're in a place you never thought you'd be. Uh huh? Why? Because you begin to reject the Holy Ghost. You try to take the batteries out of that smoke detector. You say, well, I know it's wrong, right? But I feel like I can do it and, and still come to church. I feel like I can do it and still stay in the home. I feel like I can do it and still, you know, look, have the appearance of like I'm doing, right? Right? And you begin to reject the Holy Ghost and tell the Holy Spirit to be quiet and try and numb them out and numb them out. Right? Because you want to be on the throne of your heart and not let God be on the throne of your heart. Amen? Where's my cup at? But here's the problem. When we fall into sin, right? Oh, not yet, man. You gotta fill it halfway full. He was ready. But here's the problem we fall into sin, right? It's like this cup. Right? And the air is sin. And the spirit's represented by the water, right? The word of God. And if I ask him, how do you get the air out? Boy. How do you get the air out, brothers? Huh? So you don't get it out by trying to take something away from it. You don't get it out by trying to remove something. Right? You don't get it out by setting up uh, new new disciplines and new routines and new programs. You don't get it out by, by hanging out with new people. You don't get it out with, with a routine, a new routine. Right? Come on. Come on with it. Trying to fill it up. Come on. That's not how you... I can only, yeah, I can only get so many more examples. You can't get it out in all these ways. But how do you get it out? You fill it up. All right. And all the air is gone. And now it's full. Right?
to fill up on God, right? It's more than just taking things out. you got to begin to fill yourself up with stuff, too. And it reminds me of that story that Jesus told. And he said there, there, there was a man, and, and this man, right? He had this demon. And the demon got casted out, right? And it says they began to clean the house. But the man didn't fill the house back up with anything. All he did was clean the house. All he did was empty the house. All he did was get out all the evil, get out all the bad out of the house. And now the house is clean. It's organized. It looks right. It looks okay. But it's empty. And the Bible says that this demon, this spirit, it says he went and found seven more spirits more evil than himself. And he came back to the house. And he came to the house that he was once in. And he looked at the house and he said, My gosh, the house is unlocked. The house is clean. The house is in order. And it's empty. Come on, boys. We've been to party. And he gets up in the empty house. And that house is in a worse condition than what it was in the first state. But, but the guy kicked the evil out and began to clean things up and tidy up and put things in order. But he didn't fill the house up right. with something new. Yes, yes. Stand your feet tonight. Saints, we have to have the Holy Spirit. You see, the church in Galatia, they understood that it was by the Holy Spirit that they obtained salvation. But after they got saved, they began to go live their life like the way they were formerly living it. Making all their own decisions, trying to overcome their weaknesses and their own strength, trying to do all this. They didn't learn to walk by the Spirit. What I'm trying to say is they come into the home and they stopped doing drugs because they was in the home. But they didn't begin to fill themselves up on God. They come into the church and they stop those habits because of the accountability of the church. But they didn't begin to fill up on the things of God. And you're going to fill up on something. Amen? If gossip is your vice, you're going to gossip. If gambling is your vice, you're going to gamble. Amen? Yeah, the drug addict ain't the only sinner up in this place. Amen? Religion, unbelief, doubt, unforgiveness, bitterness, pride, all these sins. And you may stop doing these things or get these things out, but you have to fill up by the Spirit of God. You have to begin to see Jesus in a passionate, intimate way. Amen? It's more than just emptying yourself. And when the Holy Spirit begins to deal with you, don't reject his, his uneasiness. Amen. Don't reject the conviction. Amen. Right? The conviction that happens in your life to save you. When you listen to a word being preached and it begins to hit you to your core, it begins to cut you, don't try and get up from the teaching. Amen. That teaching is being teached to save your soul. When the preaching hurts and it cuts deep, man, this preacher talking about me. Don't get up and walk away from the word. The preaching is being preached to save your soul. So what? We may offend you. Jesus said in the last days, everybody's going to be offended. But guess what? We're still going to preach the word of God. We're still going to share the word of God. 
we're still going to speak the word of God because the truth will set you free. And the truth is, just showing up ain't enough. Just stop doing those sinful habits ain't enough. It ain't enough. You've got to begin to fill up on the things of God. You understand that? And it's not in your own strength, saints. Come on, if you would close your eyes. Close your eyes. We're going to worship the Lord in this place. If you want to come to the altar and hit your knees and ask God to fill you up this evening, come on, the altar's open. You can hit your knees. Ask God to fill you up. But worship with us this evening in this place. The Holy Spirit wants to dwell inside of your life. Jesus wants to be in your heart. God wants to fill you up. But some of you, you're already full to the brim on pride and unforgiveness and bitterness and all these sins and iniquities. And God wants to dwell in your heart. God wants to dwell in your life. But he says, son, you got to get the other stuff out first. Daughter, you got to get the other stuff out first. The Lord wants to reside in your heart.
devil. I may mess up, devil. I may fall, devil. I may make a mistake, devil. But devil, my God will never fail. Hallelujah. And my flesh, devil, sometimes it's weak. But the Spirit of God inside of me is stronger than any devil, any demon, any creature. Hallelujah. Amen. I was thinking about this as I was praying for people. I just wanted to share this real quick. It might be for one person, but I pray that one person hears it. The Bible says, and I shared part of this last week, in Galatians 6.1, it says, listen, for those that have fallen in sin, uh -oh. right? What? Ye who are spiritual. Somebody say spiritual. spiritual. Not carnal, not fleshly, not ill-minded, not from the world, not unsaved. But ye who are spiritual, for those who have fallen in sin, you restore such a one. And I'm here to tell you, if you've fallen in sin and you're seeking restoration, you better surround yourself with people who are spiritual. You better surround yourself with people that are spiritual. Yes. Lest you find yourself in the same spot <coughs> that you try to escape from. Amen. 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 We're going to have Bible study here Tuesday. All right. Uh, we show up at 5.30 for prayer. If you want to come pray with us, 6 o'clock we show up. It's an awesome time. You know, Jay always cooks burgers, I feel like, but they're good. At least. <laughs> But 6 o'clock, we show up here. You know, we have food. We have fellowship. I really enjoy coming out here with you guys. You know, just fellowshipping, just eating. And then 6.45, we dig into the Word, right? We just study around the Word. You know, nothing too fancy, you know? We just, a whole lot of Christian believers, you know, fellowship and discuss the Word. That's on Tuesday nights from, from 6 to 7.30, 5.30 if you want to come pray. You know, invite God into this place. Prayer is always good. Yeah. Amen. 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 And uh, we will be having church Wednesday night in Ben Weaver, okay? And uh, we will be headed. We will be headed to Fort Worth tomorrow because our pastor is preaching in Fort Worth. All right, we're going down there to support our pastor. You guys probably know that, but you're going to Fort Worth. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So we're going to Fort Worth to support our pastor. He's preaching in the morning about 9:30. We'll go down there, support him, pray, receive, get filled up right. by God, get filled up Lord. on God. Amen. Amen. Right. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. Christmas is coming up. Don't forget to give me a gift. <laughs> Amen. We'll be having men's prayer breakfast this coming up Saturday. Just so the men know. We will be having men's prayer breakfast this Saturday. We've been with her. All men of Maybank, all men have been with her. You know, it's welcome. That starts at 8 o'clock. We have food, like fellowship, like and we have devotion. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a good time, too. Um, we got any prayer requests tonight? I have some. I'll share it in just a second. Raise your hand, please, in the church, not from the home. We have any prayer requests? Hang on. We just have an unspoken prayer. Okay. Personal growth, growth and growth. Anybody else? We come share with family. Um, well, we found out the other day that my uncle Randy he had back surgery and they've got a mass 
ends up being a pretty aggressive cancer, so they're going to try and get all that out. And um, then Annie has a disease, and it's spread to her heart. So the doctors say it's just a matter of time before she has a heart attack, so y'all be praying for her. And then my papa has surgery on the December 20th for his aneurysm, so y'all just keep him in your prayers. Aunt Tammy's got a disease, and Papa's got 